to build around this core, we have to keep moving people in and out and getting older guys that are at the end of their careers and getting cheap players that where where we can find them. And it makes it really hard to get high impact players because high impact players cost high impact dollars. Welcome to episode 16 of The Fanalists. We've got a good one for you today. Uh, we're going to start right into it with a topic that I don't know if Brett and I, or either Brett or I, really want to talk about because it's still an open wound. Um, we're, we're slowly healing from it, but maybe talking about it will be good. We'll therapy, we'll do a quick little therapy session about the fucking leaps. Um... What happened? Let, let's. We don't have to talk too much about the actual series because everyone kind of already knows. Matthews and Marner were ghosts. We got out goalie. Well, we didn't even get out goalie because Campbell was fantastic, but Price was a brick wall. And I don't even know what else there is to say about it. Honestly, like I... I just didn't expect for us to be here right now having this conversation. And, like, the biggest part of that for me is, like, I watch the Montreal goals because I just keep seeing them. People keep posting them. And they're all on Maple Leaf turnovers. I'm not going to say that the Habs didn't win this series, but the Leafs did their fair share of giving it away, which is what they seem to always do. And... Well, yeah, they have a lot of character players, and I just, it's kind of concerning to me. Like, Wayne Simmons is a guy that I actually think pretty highly of, and along with Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza, and you'd like to think that their star players and Mitch Marner and uh, Austin Matthews and William Nylander have a little bit to contribute there. Uh, it takes character to get where they've gotten, whether people want to admit it or not. And I just really don't know what the next step is if you're Kyle Dubas to eliminate some of these problems. I don't know, because, like, the start of last season, I wasn't in support of trading Willie, but I, I would listen to those talks. But then Willie was the only one that actually showed up in the playoffs. So now I don't even know, because I don't want to trade Marner. I don't think that's the right call. I think, like you said it right after the game, get them a really good sports psychologist and see what they can figure out. Um, but I, I don't think moving Marner is the right idea because I don't think you're going to get a significant enough return back for him. Or for, for what he has the potential to bring. What we, He was the fifth in fucking scoring during the regular season. <laughs> like, he was so good all year. And then he disappeared because he cracked under pressure, and I don't know how you fix that. I I don't really know. Like like I said, like you brought up, like sports therapist, somebody has to figure it out. There's, there's some sort of psychologist. Like it, I, I feel like it's got to be a mental game. They were doing an awful lot of chasing him around out there. Um, but he got paid like a guy who can drive the Leafs to success. And you don't have success without playoff success. So if the Leafs are going to keep Mitch Marner, he's probably got one season more to prove that he can be a playoff performer because they paid him and Austin Matthews like one. And to be honest, there's a good part of me that Mitch Marner is probably to blame for Austin Matthews not being as successful as we wanted. He's not. He's not doing what they expect him to bring to ta the table every night. And it didn't even seem like he was interested in playing the kind of game that he would normally play when we were in the playoffs. Well, I think I, I put a lot of credit 
on Dano for that. I think that they matched up against Matthews really, really well. And Dano was just constantly on him. And everything he tried, he couldn't do. And that's why we started to see Matthews start to do these like spinny moves and trying to get fancy with it because he was banging his head against the wall going, I can't get through. Nothing I'm doing is working, so let me try this fancy stuff. And and so like I, I think that that I do give credit to Deneau for that, but I agree with what you're saying is that Marner wasn't where he needed to be. They didn't have that same chemistry because Marner was stuck in a spiral in his head. Just he was so focused on doing the right thing that he wasn't actually doing the right thing. Yeah, and that's exactly kind of where I think if you're a Leaf fan, you got to be pretty realistic about. Oh, I lost you. I think it's where, as a Leaf fan, you got to be pretty realistic about where this team's at. I think they're a regular season performer. We've seen this uh, with the Washington Capitals previously. It's not like it'll be the first team that's had that problem. And there might be some bigger changes on the way than expected by a lot of people. And I'm not going to say that I know where that's going, but I'm emotionally preparing myself for it because something drastic really does have to change with this Leafs team. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, I mean the first immediate change that comes to mind is right now we have 11 free agents. Most of them are older. We brought them in for grit and character and to help the team out. And obviously that worked in the regular season, but it didn't give, as Shanahan said, that killer instinct that they needed in a game seven. So of those main free agents, obviously like there's 11 free agents, but not all 11 of them are playing. Let's talk about the main ones um, in Hyman, Thornton, Spezza, Simmons. And I guess Freddie Anderson is in that category too. Who do you think is coming back next year from the team that is that we currently have? I don't think Freddie's coming back. I uh, I don't I don't necessarily think it's fair to Freddie, but for some reason or another, the team does play better with Jack Campbell or in front of Jack Campbell. So bringing Freddie back just doesn't make sense. You got to see what you have in Campbell and he's the more affordable option. It does concern me, uh, but I think that'll probably be what happens. I could see Wayne... I, like, I want Wayne Simmons to come back if I'm the Leaf. I also could see him being interested in some other offers. Like, he really did show some stuff this year, and he was on a pretty good goal-scoring pace. The guy could garner some attention from some other teams. So it'll be up to Wayne Simmons whether he's a Toronto Maple Leaf next year. And I really want Zach Hyman back, but I, I don't I don't see it being a thing. I think he's done. And he's been a good soldier for the Leafs. Traded for Greg McKegg. One of the best trades I've seen in a long time as a Leaf fan. Pretty underrated one. And uh, he, this guy's about to get paid. And it's a shame the Leafs couldn't use him up to his potential, but there's a good chance you see him in another jersey this uh, coming season. Yeah. I, I So, I agree. I think Freddie's gone. It's just he's a victim of circumstance. He got injured at the wrong time. Campbell got hot at the right time. And... It's hard to come back from a big injury in a contract year, especially when year over year you've had people calling for him to get traded, him to not be a Leaf anymore, because year over year he has been one of the reasons we've never made it out of 
a first round. Like I, I would say if we had Campbell last year, good chance we make it past the play in round. If we had Campbell and the team that played a couple of years ago, there's a good chance we make it past the first round. Not that that's all on Freddie, obviously like mistakes happen, but, or like, like defensive lapses have happened, but there is definitely a, this recurring thing with Freddie in the playoffs. Right. So I, I think that that is one of the reasons Freddie's going to be on plus the money. He just, he cut, he's going to cost too much and they they have to find the dollar somewhere. I think I'm pretty, go ahead. I'm pretty locked in on the same thing with Freddie, as far as like, he did a really good job with the Leafs proving exactly what he is. And that's an NHL starting goalie. And he's going to get paid because of it. The Leafs got a deal when they got him. It was a gamble. A lot of times that doesn't work out. It worked out. It paid dividends. And Freddie's going to be paid um, in a way that reflects that. Yeah. And, and I'm don't, I don't think Freddie's a bad goalie by any means. He could go somewhere and be fantastic. The right team could use a goalie like him for sure. Um, I just don't think that team is the Leafs anymore, which kind of sucks because I like the guy, but it is what it is, right? It's a business. I think Simmons Simmons is in a, in a similar boat. If Simmons is willing to take less money, I think he's a Leaf next year. I don't think Dubas can pay Simmons a million and a half again. I'd be okay keeping Simmons for a million. But a million and a half, we're going to need that. It's it's only 500 grand, but when we're already as cap-strapped cap, cap as we are, I think you gotta, you gotta nickel and dime players like that. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, there's just the core of this Leafs team is in so many different stages. If you want to keep important parts of it together, you're going to have to find money with guys like Simmons. And I, I kind of agree with you. I don't, I don't know if Hyman is coming back. Obviously, I think every Leafs fan wants Hyman to come back. I just don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to find the money and be able to make a big trade like they've been like we we've already been hearing rumors that Dubas has stuff in the works, right? So I don't know if we can have the best of both worlds in getting another big name player and keeping Hyman. I just don't know if you need another big name player or if like this playoff just proved you exactly what John Tavares is worth, and everyone who said that he was um, going downhill very quickly wasn't paying attention to how he is going about the defensive details of the game over the past two years and, and what that has brought to the Leafs. No, I think you're totally right. I think that Tavares has had more of an impact on this team than than I even I expected. Um, which it's tough too because Tavares is a big reason why we're in this cap situation that we're in. Because when you get a player like Tavares that drops in your lap, you can't say no. But when you pay him eleven million, that puts a lot of stress on the bank books, right? Like that, that makes it hard to build around him, and giving him eleven million meant that Matthews got a big number, meant that Marner got a big number, meant that Nylander wanted a big number. And that really put us into this spiral that we're in right now where to build around this core, we have to keep moving people in and out and getting older guys that are at the end of their careers and getting cheap players that where where we can find them. And it makes it really hard to get high-impact players because high impact players cost high impact dollars. 
Yeah, that's exactly the point. I also think that the COVID situation has going to have a, a strenuous impact on the Leafs. I, I mean, it's pretty plain and simple that they're planning on the cap going up and thinking that this is going to be less of an issue. But it's turned out to be a huge issue because of the cap being fixed for the next two years. Yeah. And so that's the only reason that I, that I could see Marner moving. I don't I still don't think he's going to move, but for that reason I could see it because 10 he's what 10 and a half million or 10 million. That's a big chunk of cap space that you can get a lot of um a lot of mid-range pieces for that price. Yeah, I would agree with that, but it's difficult to... We've had conversations like this before where if you add pieces, you're still subtracting something. Like There's still only so many roster spots. So a guy with Marner's value, it's difficult to get that out of two other spots in the in the lineup because you're looking for another 30 points from your next first and second line winger in that spot and it might be um, easier to have a guy who can put up the points himself instead of trying to build that with a bunch of other players yeah I'd agree with that now we we were talking about someone that you thought might get moved uh, before we started the podcast. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So I really think Morgan Riley is not going to be a Leaf next year. Um, and that's a big hit to our defense. But I think you could get someone back. How the hell do we pay Morgan Riley next year? Is he going to walk for nothing? Why don't we sell high? right now or in during this off season where a team can get them still get a year out of them and then the sharks or whoever the hell get them can pay them next year because they'll have cap room and we won't and he's gonna want eight plus million dollars and he deserves it he's a great defender but i don't know how that fits into our team structure if dubas wants to keep this core together which it sounds like he does I really hate hearing you talk about that because, like, it, you you make a pretty compelling argument that he's not going to be there. I just don't know how you go and get somebody else who's going to cost less. Unless you can get a young, up-and-coming defender that maybe isn't performing as well as they could on their current team but has potential to perform really, really well with the Leafs. And I'm looking at a guy like maybe Rasmus Dahlin. I don't, like right now he's garbage on on, uh, Buffalo, but everyone's garbage on Buffalo. Can you justify giving up one of your best defenders for a guy that might pan out or might not pan out? I don't know, but... Or, or like, but he's cheaper, and he has that potential to be a fantastic defender in the league. Yeah, I, I could see that. I think that's a tough guy to get out of Buffalo, but with them looking at drafting Owen Power, there is quite the log jam on defense there. I think it'd be pretty easy to get a guy who I have had my eye on in Ristolainen, so... It's a big righty. He munched minutes for a long time. He's had uh, a little bit of a decline. Still a young player. I think he's just kind of beaten down by the Buffalo environment. See, I the problem that I had with Ristolainen was his contract. Um, let me see what it is here. They're probably two years left at 5.5, if I remember correct. But it might only be one year now. 
Oh, no, you're right. It is two years at 5.5. For some reason, I thought he was making a lot more. I was looking at a lot of different names this morning and looking at different possible trade picks. But, but yeah, okay, so 5.5. I'm actually hyped that I got that right. Yeah, well, he's 5.4, actually, which is even better. But, um, yeah, you know what? That's not a bad idea then because that's a reasonable price for a top-line defender with a couple of years' term, too. Like, you can you can work that into the system. Yeah, and he's that elusive righty that the Leafs have been looking for. And, man, is he mean. He adds some uh, killer ink sting to the Leafs, especially on the back end where I'd say they lack it. Yeah. The other thing that I'm kind of concerned about is Jake Muzzin. Could you move Jake Muzzin just for the fact that he, he doesn't seem to be able to be healthy at the times that you would want him to be? I don't know, because Jake Muzzin has had such an impact on our defensive core as a whole, just the way that he plays the game and the, um, like how he's supported the cast around him. I mean, look at what we saw out of Hall at the start of the season. Stupid people online, but still people online, were saying Hall should be... Um, Oh, shit. What's the defensive award? <laughs> oh, Norris. He should yeah. have been in the Norris conversation. Yeah. Those people, people made me hate. I, I disagree with those people. I think those people are dumbasses. But the fact that there were people saying that shows how consistent he was playing. And like we've said on the podcast before, that's largely because of who he was playing with, with Muzzin. And I don't like. Maybe you can move Muzzin, but he's on a pretty cat-friendly contract, and he's a really solid player. Yeah, I agree with that. I just, man, like he's the guy that the Leafs need to have in playoffs, and it seems like it's it's not a thing that can happen. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I agree with that. So that like, like he's one of the guys that we say you know has won a Stanley Cup has that real real playoff experience, and every time we lose him, either right before playoffs or in the first round. Yeah, and it's, it's a real us. tough sell for me for the Leafs to win without Jake Muzzin and without Tavares. Oh yeah, completely, and without Felino, because he was and, more and that's no diff. That's no disrespect to the Habs at all. They won the series, and they played really well, and they took it to the Leafs. Yeah, but I argue but it would be a very different series the, had we not had those injuries. Yeah, I agree. Although I say that, we did lose game one, so. And that well, was with everyone. Tavares died. On that's true. At center ice, ten minutes into the that, yeah. yeah, that that is true. So game one was kind of a write off. Like that looks like basically like Tavares is good now, and I'm happy to hear it. But like, I wasn't concerned about him playing again at that moment. I was concerned about his life. Yeah. Like when you see him do that thing where he falls back down, like I can't imagine being the players on the bench. I'm actually kind of mad. Like, I heard the other day that a minor league baseball game got canceled because one of their pitchers got hit by a line drive and got taken to the hospital, and it was traumatic. And the Leafs had to play a playoff game in the biggest league in the NHL, or biggest hockey league in the world, the NHL. So, like, I, I just don't know. Yeah, but I don't think you can postpone a game because of an injury. Unless, like, the ice is covered in blood and you can't clean it up. Like, that's that's a different story. But I think that the nature of sport is that you have to play on. I I agree, but I think there is a line there. And that was kind of – if he had just got taken off in the stretcher, it's fine. But when he does that unconscious, conscious thing, that is kind of concerning. Yeah, when he tries to stand back up and just flops completely. 
it was yeah it was it was horrifying to watch i couldn't imagine being in that building let alone on the ice beside him like yeah exactly like yeah like i'm I'm actually kind of proud of the Leafs for taking that series to Game 7. And that's super disappointing based on my thoughts coming into the playoffs. Yeah. But after going through that level of traumatic, it would have been very easy for them to give up and give it to Montreal in five. Like, let Montreal just walk away with it. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about um, potentially moving Morgan Riley. Just want to go through what we know about the Leafs so far because I was I was chatting with my buddy this morning, and we were discussing how MLSE just has this way of sucking the fans back in, and I hate them for it. But I love them for it because they've already turned around, tried to flip the script, say, let's look towards next year and let's discuss the option of a trade. So they've gone and gone out to all the reporters, given little tidbits of information here, tidbits of information there to create this narrative that we can now discuss. So Elliot Friedman says that the Leafs were in on someone at the deadline. They wanted to buy high, but they couldn't make it work. That leads me to believe that they were in on somebody on a team that was close to the playoffs. Chris Johnson said, it's a big name from an American team that didn't make the playoffs and has term left on their contract. So they've started to create this sort of storyline of worrying on someone big. We want to bring a really high impact player to the team during the off season. Who the hell do you think that player could be? <laughs> so you and I talked earlier and like, we kind of threw around some forwards, but I like the guy I finished off with the best. I really, really hope it's pro Brock. Yeah. I, as Good soon as you said that, like, as soon as you texted me that this morning, I was like, oh, shit, that's a name that I would like to see on a Leafs jersey. So I don't think, like, it's going to be the easiest guy to get. Don't get me wrong. He's a great player. And... Oh, you cut out. Don't get me wrong. He's a great player. But Philadelphia is in a weird phase right now. I don't really know what they are. They should be ready to win, but they they uh, can't seem to. Some of their vets are kind of having to start to take uh, a step back and let the younger guys um, lead the ship. And that didn't really go well this year. So I think that's a guy maybe you could look to get. Because I think they would be looking some with, to add some, like, Offensive skill. Yeah. I, and I think that he would be a great addition to our blue line, especially if we were going to move a Morgan Riley or a player like that. Um, he would fill a hole and fill it well, too, like, and bring that grit that we've so much needed over the past few years. Yeah. I, first off, Rasmus Sandin is the future of offense from the Leafs blue line. Yeah. He just has things offensively that Morgan Riley uh, isn't going to have at this point in his career. And I think if he continues to develop defensively with the edge he has, he's actually going to surpass Morgan Riley if he were to stick around. So I think Sandin is, is the future of the blue line as far as the Leafs. So maybe you can make that move and bring in some more some more pieces that are going to play, you know, a gritty shutdown style 
That's why I said something maybe about moving Jake Muzzin. I could just see like a transition of the Leafs decor. Yeah, and actually Provorov does play a similar game to Muzzin. He plays a similar style. So I could see that. Yeah, with and a little younger. more upside. Yeah, younger, cheaper. I don't know what it, what the term on his contract is. I didn't look that up, but yeah, that is a good option. Um, and you also mentioned Seth Jones. Obviously, he's going to be on the market this year. He's a big fish. He's another player that would be awesome to see on the Leafs' blue line. I don't know how we would make that work, though, without moving someone like a Marner. I don't know how you would make it work either. And honestly, uh, the more we talk today, the less I've been into that kind of shiny new toy because he he's going to need to be re-signed. And we both know that he knows what kind of player he is. Yeah. Um, so some other forwards that I've read in, because I've, I've dove into a bunch of like rumor mill articles that really have no actual precedent, but they're just people going like, hey, this could be a good addition, that kind of thing, right? Same thing we're doing now, really, just speculation. That's, that's literally how I heard about the JVR Luke Chan trade the first time. Oh, really? I was like, eh, like, I don't know. I remember being in high school and like my one buddy at a time was super pumped about it. He's like, and honestly, like I was still kind of a sucker for Luke Shen at the time. So I didn't know what to think about the trade when it was a rumor, but the Leafs definitely won that trade. So sometimes those, those spoof articles, they get things going, especially in a market like Toronto. Yeah. Um, so in an article I was reading this morning, a name that was m- mentioned was Evander Kane. And Dubas has a history of working with um, with the Sharks. We obviously worked with the Sharks a little bit last year in the Felino trade. Maybe Kane was on the radar. They Like, like Friedman said, the, they were working on a deal last year and it fell through. So maybe that relationship's there. Although I don't know if Evander Kane is someone that I want in the Leafs locker room. I want him as a Leaf. I don't know if I want that in the locker room. Honestly, though, I don't know. I think the guy has a bad rap. I don't know that he's as much of a locker room cancer as, as people make it out to be. I don't think anybody can be that cancerous to a positive locker room, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think that the does make have sense. a pretty good locker room. So, like, when they hear about a guy being cancerous, to me, like, the locker room couldn't have been that healthy in the first place if the guy comes in and he's cancer and he can have that effect. So well, I, I would be, I'd be a little less concerned about his beliefs, maybe. Yeah, and Kane is a guy that has that absolute killer instinct. Like, he's a smart offensive player for the most part, and he'll crush you <laughs> if you get in his way or if you hit any of our top guys. The only thing with Kane, like you've mentioned before, is that he's streaky. And that's questionable because <laughs> if he goes on a low on a shitty streak at the wrong time well then we end up out of the first round yeah i honestly obviously all of this is speculation but i'm still pretty shaken up by how this leaf season went we really have too much positivity going into next year because in my own mind, next year, regular season, it just doesn't even matter to me. The Leafs have had so many good regular seasons at this point. 
the first or second year under Babcock, we set the points record for for a Leafs team. Like these teams have been good. It's not. It's hard to get excited for something that's not playoffs at this point with this core. Yeah, I, it's going to be a long regular season next year. It is going to be very hard to stay interested for 82 games <laughs> when we every Leafs fan knows that those 80, 82 games don't mean anything. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel. As long as we make the playoffs. (laughs) Which, I... No, not going to go there. Not going to go there at all. Yeah, we're making the playoffs. The the 82 games don't mean anything. (laughs) So, I don't know if you have anything left to say on the Leafs. I feel like I'm kind of... I'm kind of over this conversation. We'll see what Dubas does in the offseason. I'm hopeful. It seems like things are moving. But I've been hopeful for 25 years watching these Leafs. Well, 24 years for me, but same thing. Like, I don't, I don't know how much more hope I can have, but it's there. This team sucks me back in every year somehow. As we record, I realize I'm wearing my Toronto Maple Leafs shirt unintentionally just because it's a shirt that I wear because no matter what, I support this team, even though I hate them. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, I feel for a lot of Leafs fans. Like, you put up with a lot of flack, especially living in Ontario. Like, there's a lot of jokes. Uh, from anybody, especially if they're not really too into sports, you know, the Leafs are just the easy joke to make, so you got to um, turn a corner here at some point. All right, so let's turn a corner here right now, because we just dedicated the first 40 minutes of this podcast to the Leafs. <laughs> so let's talk about some positive hockey news that will make every Canadian happy and that's the gold freaking medal. Today, that the IIHF tournament, Canada brought home gold in an overtime victory, which is, was weird. I didn't actually watch the game, but I didn't expect an overtime win. Usually, Canada... So, actually, I... Oh, go ahead. So, actually, I caught the third period, and it's so weird seeing... Uh, like obviously they're not usually the best players that any of these teams have to offer because the NHL playoffs are still in progress. But this was the weirdest year. Lots of prospects. Owen Power for uh, Team Canada. Um, there's an American on the U.S. team who's draft eligible. It's just a weird tournament. But it's great to see Canada win and they're the first team to come from uh, losing three games straight at the start of the tournament and ended up winning the gold medal. So um, that's a little something to cheer up Canadian hockey fans. Yeah, and that makes me really interested to see where Gerard Gallant is going to be coaching next year because that was a hell of a coaching performance to bring – this ragtag group of random guys together go from losing three straight to winning gold at the tournament. Like, yeah, obviously a lot of that is to like credit to the players, but that's credit to the coaching staff for sure. That's what that screams to me is that they were able to bring this group of guys together and over those first three games, find those, the pieces that work together properly and make it happen the rest of the tournament. So I'm really intrigued to see where Gallant's going to go, where he's going to be coaching next year. I honestly could see him back in Seattle. Like, not back in Seattle, but back with another expansion 
franchise. Like, he did such a good job with Vegas, I thought, and and then just kind of got thrown to the side for DeBoer. I just, I could see him going like, hey, this time I'm doing this, and we're sticking with it, and I'm going to prove that I'm the guy. Yeah, and it's clear that he has an eye for a mishmash team of players, so let him have the biggest mishmash team of players there is in an expansion team. I, I think that's a good place for him, really. So Gerard Gallant is the Nick Nurse of the NHL. That's what you just said. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> but hey, that's not a that's not a bad nickname to ride, really. <laughs> if you're being compared to Nick Nurse, that's a good thing. I love when everything just ties together perfectly. Yeah. So do we want to go into the other big Canadian hockey news uh, from here? Yeah. So big Canadian hockey news that I don't really want to talk about because the Habs are winning against the Jets and I'm frustrated about it. (laughs) It makes sense why they're winning. But I don't want them to win. (laughs) I... I think they're probably going to win. I'm pretty sure we talked about it last week. Team that usually sweeps. They just haven't played enough hockey recently. The Habs will probably win. They keep playing this style. They're actually going to be hard to beat in the playoffs, assuming they can stay healthy. Everyone keeps saying the American teams are so much better. Um, I've been watching a little bit of everything, and honestly, outside of Colorado, Montreal plays the most playoff-ready styles in the playoffs right now. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And when Carey Price is on, Carey Price is one of the best goalies in the league, if not the best goalie in the league still. Bastard. He's injured at the end of the year and then still comes back and plays like a god. <laughs> yeah, the guy's got ice in his veins. I just don't... I don't know how anyone can doubt him at this point, like what he did in the bubble and then what he's done this season. Yeah, he just he's turned it on at the right time. Three or four, but he's going to have to have three or four bad seasons for me to say that, you know, it's probably the Andy Carey Price at this point because it just he seems to know how to, like you just said, turn it on. Yeah, so I yeah I I think Montreal is going to win this series too. I hope they don't. I hope that the Jets can come back and um, erase that two game deficit. But going down two nothing to start a series is tough to come back from. Yeah, that's true. I honestly probably think Montreal's going to have this over in six or less at this point. It's looking like it. But do you know off offhand who they're going to face if they make it to the, I guess, No, round? I don't actually. I did hear that they're doing the exemption today, so the Canadian teams will be able to play games at home, whoever does win. Yeah, wish that's sweet. Like it, and honestly, like as much as I don't want to see Montreal win, it'll be cool for Montreal fans being able to be in the building. I yeah, uh, I want them to win just because they're the one team in the NHL that can have, or in the Canadian division that can have fans in the building. So Montreal might as well win because at least their fans will enjoy it. Winnipeg's not having fans, I'm pretty sure, and Toronto wasn't going to have fans. No, Winnipeg's doing the same thing Toronto did with the uh, healthcare workers. 500 500 or so healthcare workers allowed into the building. Yeah, I don't have anything else to really say about that series. Carey Price is great. Connor Hellebuck is great. Um, he had a shitty first game, but 
he turned it on for the second game and only let one goal. So I don't really know where this series is going to go. <laughs> it's really hard to predict when you've got two Vesna winning goalies going head to head with each other. It got a lot easier to predict for me when Shifley kind of exited himself from the series. I oh, don't yeah, want to talk true. too much about that hit because I feel like I'm kind of on the wrong side of uh, the public opinion. So I don't want to uh, do anything that might um, not look so good. Um, but Shifley kind of made his decision there as far as whether the Jets were going to be in this series. And um, by the look of it, he chose that they're not going to be. Yeah. He made a stupid decision that reminded me of Kadri. He was frustrated. He was going for it, and that's about all there is to say. Yeah, that that's about it. All right, so let's talk about what could be considered another first-round upset in the NBA, but is something that I'm really excited about. And that is LeBron and the Lakers getting out of here. They are out of the playoffs in the first round. Was it? I want to say it was for the first time. And I don't know how many years that LeBron has been out first round, but I can't remember what that, that stat was now, so never mind. But uh, yeah, LeBron's done. Let them yeah, there'll away. be no LeBron or Steph Curry in the finals this year. That's that's a big difference for the NBA. Huge change of events. Obviously, there's a lot of LeBron haters. So you got to support those people because uh, they've tried for a lot of years, not really had a chance to really um, make too much fun of the guy because he's played unreal. Uh, I didn't like how he conducted himself about the play-ins and said that they were stupid ones he was going to have to play in them. So I'm happy to see him go out. I think it's big for the NBA. Uh, at some point, somebody else is going to have to step up and be the face of the NBA. LeBron's not going to last for forever, so this might be the beginning of a new era. Hopefully we see who that person is. Well, maybe it's Devin Booker. He's he played well, a great a series. People, Go ahead. A lot of people want that. There was a lot of get Devin Booker out of there a couple of years ago, so it's good for Devin Booker. Hopefully, he can keep doing what he's doing and uh, taking down LeBron is a big thing in your resume. Yeah, and he didn't only take down LeBron; he also scored like significantly more points across the series than LeBron too. Like he had, LeBron had 140 points on the series. Booker had 178. Like that's not a small number. That's not a little difference at all. No, honestly, he's proven that he can be that guy that'll lead their team in the the series, which is actually a big step for an NBA player. A lot of guys kind of get stuck in that. Uh, weird level where they're not quite good enough to lead their team somewhere and, and they're just good enough to make their team relevant. This is a huge step towards Devin Booker proving that he can actually be a guy that takes his team somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else to say on that topic? Um, how do we want to wrap it? Um, what do you want? Where are we going next? We can go either Jays or Taya Curry, but I would be okay with skipping Jays for this week if you want. I honestly think that might not be the worst idea because they're kind of in a weird spot right now. Yeah. 
Like, if they win the next two games, everything we say in the next 10, 15 minutes is stupid. And if they lose the next two games, everything we say in the next 10 or 15 minutes could be stupid. Yeah. They're kind of like a... not. They're not a 500 team, but they're not a playoff team. But they're so close, you can't be like, you got to go get pieces. I, like, I don't know. No, I don't know. I mean, Ryu had his first bad game the other night. That's noteworthy, I guess. <laughs> um, I, I know, but that's what I don't want to shit on. I'm like, yeah. I was trying to come up with something for Matt's the other day. Like, yeah, when when he loses his like, game, we lose. But when he's on, we win. Like, well, like, that's just kind of a weird conversation to have. Yeah, they're, do a really they're really good job. At- uh, like, they're sort of in a gray area right now. <laughs> they really are. Like, there's not much to talk about. I, I mean, Vladdy's been great. Vladdy leads the major league and like, or leads the whole league in five different stat categories. But as for the uh, the team as a whole, they are really in a down in the middle. Of yeah, I have w- the only real point that I wanted to get in about this whole thing, and. We can keep it as an outtake just in case I need to use it at the end of the season. Is people keep going on about how we can't win the MVP. We don't make the playoffs. Oh, you're breaking up. People keep going on about how Vladdy can't win the MVP if the Blue Jays don't make the playoffs. But Mike Trout is always in the MVP conversation, and he never makes the playoffs. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think Vladdy's a good good candidate for the MVP right now anyway. He's showing it. He's leading a, he's leading a ton of stat categories. What else yeah. do you want? Yeah. Alright, I might just leave that little bit of chatter in about the Blue Jays. Why not? Even though it was a little All bit right, oriented, like... but whatever. People will listen to it. Yes. Enjoy. Some of it was good. <laughs> do it. <laughs> All right, so let's get into our compelling Canuck. And this is a big, uh, one of the biggest hockey stories that we're hearing that we've heard this week. And that is Taya Curry being drafted as the first female ever to be drafted in the OHL. Fantastic story coming out of the OHL this year. So we actually stole my player of the week doing this, so I better get a lot of info in on this because I don't have a player of the week to finish up with. But that's this all right, is mind-blowing. You listen to her talk about for her ability to get where she is now and how all the other girls were leaving AAA hockey to go play girls hockey. And... She felt like she wanted to stay and felt like she was really connected with her teammates and they made her feel like she Her story is really interesting to me, just how uh, all the other girls left to go play girls hockey and she continued uh, playing boys hockey and was able to hang in there and be their goalie all the way up until this point. Uh, She sounds like she's really excited to continue to fit in with the team. Uh, She doesn't want to make too much of a story out of herself until she is somewhere where she can really have an impact. I would argue that that is now, but uh, she seems to think there's still things to accomplish. And I really love that attitude of being like, this isn't over. My only goal isn't to get drafted into the OHL. My goal is to to play in the OHL and and see how far pro hockey can take me. And I I really love that attitude. Yeah, it's fantastic to see. And one thing I really liked that she she said is that um, through all of her experiences, she hasn't felt that much discrimination at all, which I think that's huge because that really says – something about the future of the sport and right now we're kind of at a tipping point socially and with the league or with like 
hockey leagues themselves where the old old boys club is on its way out and it really shows that as she's come up through junior that she hasn't been discriminated against and she's been encouraged by all of her teams rather than coaches being like oh no you're a girl you can't play or or parents even being um complaining that there's a girl on the other team and that shouldn't be right or that shouldn't be a thing that she shouldn't be allowed to play with the boys and that's that's something we've seen in the past and it's great to see that that attitude is on its way out and that she's she's been able to progress to where she is without having to deal with without having to deal with all that bullshit yeah it's it's huge i think it's super inspiring for other girls trying to get into sports and play at the top level if you just keep your nose down and and fight you can fight to be on whatever team you want to be on uh not to say that girls hockey isn't a good route um being from a small town i've seen a lot of girls uh, choose to play boys hockey because they thought it was a higher level or they thought it was a better chance for them to advance but for her to be playing boys triple a that is the best level uh for minor hockey there's really no argument about it and what she's done to be ohl priority draft eligible is quite an accomplishment yeah and i really hope that she's able to progress through the ohl and have a great professional career whether that means her making the nhl or transitioning into the nwhl or the p playing with the pwhpa there's lots of opportunity there for her and it's a great time to or it's a great time for her to be getting into hockey because there is opportunities for her to for her to progress as a professional Honestly, uh, if I'm the NWHL or the PWHPA, this is my big chance at a star for my league. This girl just got a ton of headlines. If she can get some consistent playing time in the OHL, even as a 19- or 20-year-old, she's going to be a stud. Um, I might be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure I'm not that Carrie Price backed up Shannon Zavados in the WHL a couple times as a young player. So women have played in major junior men's hockey in Canada, but they've never been drafted. So this is still a huge accomplishment, and hopefully she can follow that up by actually playing games in the OHL. Yeah, and she's only 16 years old right now still, so... She's got years ahead of her to keep developing and keep playing, and I'm excited to watch where her career goes. And I actually, I just had a realization that there's, like, Shannon Zabados, Manol Reum, those are, are fairly common names. I wouldn't call them quite household names, but people that follow hockey know those names, and already, just because of the um, the outcry of support that Taya Curry has got, her name has a chance to go down in that category, and that's really cool. Like that's just a really cool thought that we're seeing the potential for history to be made. Not to put a lot of pressure on on Taya Curry, but like that's just really cool. <laughs> so congratulations to Taya Curry. Excited to watch her career grow. So we'll go from one compelling Canuck story to our Players of the Week, which I could argue is a series of compelling Canuck stories. Because my Player of the Week, which I'm going to say Players of the Week this week, is the entirety of the Canadian national team. We talked about it earlier in the podcast. It was just this ragtag group of Canadians that went out and really made a name for themselves at this tournament. Um, I'm talking Connor Brown, Andrew Mangiapane, Adam Henrique, Nick Paul, um, 
the list goes on and on. And there's there are all these players that are in the NHL fairly mid-tier level players. Like they're second line, third line guys for the most part. And a lot of people have argued that they were possibly one of the worst teams that Canada has iced in a long time. Especially after their first three losses. Like that was a bit worrisome, but they were really able to pull up their bootstraps and get it done and actually ended the um, ended the tournament being three of the top five scorers of the tournament. So that that's pretty good. And congratulations to them. We did have some technical issues, so Brett doesn't have a player of the week. You just get me to end the podcast, but I hope you enjoyed this week's show. Um, make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at TFanalysts. Let us know we are um, looking for stories or people to talk to, things like that for the off season. So if you have anything you want us to talk about, let us know on Twitter or DM us on Instagram at the Fanalist Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this week's show. Have a good week and we'll see you next week. Thank you.